0: welcome to brazen education with educator barnes a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth being transparent to help others and having no shame about it because we can't move forward until the truth is known All right, so we are here for another conversation and today's topic is stem and stem education i have two wonderful guests with us i have dr dia jones liberator abolitionist and educator and ariel crawley indy women in tech community engagement ladies welcome to our episode
1: thanks Thank for having you so much us. for having me
0: could you tell us a little bit about what led you guys to be on the path of stem Um, How did you get to this particular work? Ariel? Oh, okay.
2: Um, I would always say I've always been into computers, taking things apart. Um, My mom always called me a nerd. My dad was always just, she's into different things, so it's okay. (laughs) So it's just something that's always been part of me and then just working in the space And just seeing that everyone's not, doesn't have the opportunity to enter into the space, it just made me start to pivot in a different direction and say, okay, so this is something you enjoy. How can you introduce this to other communities that aren't well represented to make sure it's something they can enjoy? Or if they don't, that's great, but at least have the opportunity to get that first introduction. So um, I would just say it's just something that's always been embedded.
1: Awesome. I love that. Um, and for me, purely by accident. Uh, so uh, coming from an English teacher in special education, um, I work for a charter school. And uh, I, just the person that was in charge of all the STEM programming basically was no longer there. And so they said, it's, it's on your plate. Everybody knows in education, it's all hands on deck. And I'm like, you know, that is not me. That is not my area. Please pick a science teacher, a math teacher somebody, tech, tech teacher or something. And they said, no, it's you. You go ahead. And so I actually, it was the young people. So it was over 10 years ago, and I took a group of young ladies to this first day of some type of STEM day, introduction to STEM. And they just said, go. And I said, hold on to, to my 12 students. What are the instructions? Why are we doing this? What are the rules? Because I'm an English teacher. I, I need to explain these things. And what they explained to me was, like, no, it, it's science. It's It's STEM. They need to figure some things out. This is how they're going to figure out how things work. And from that point I was sold. So I became the STEM programming person for my school for several years, um, worked for Columbia University girls in STEM program, started my own STEM program. Um, and now I'm the executive director for the Philadelphia Robotics Coalition here in the city of Philadelphia. And a, a part of the, my dissertation was increasing participation of black girls in STEM. So I wanted to live in my dissertation. So. I started working for them before about a year ago so I can cast a wider net across Philadelphia to make sure that we introduce and be able to increase the participation of participation in STEM specifically for students that um, really don't have those opportunities.
0: I like how you said you kind of fell into it because my dissertation was about literacy-rich STEM experiences. And if you would have asked me what my dissertation was going to be about, it was going to be about something totally different. (laughs) Um, that was not what I was looking into doing. Uh, But as I really got into the work and started reading the literature, uh, it just really clicked that that's the thing I should focus on. And from that work... I, I didn't even think about the intersection of literacy and STEM because literacy is my thing.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: looking at the intersection and seeing about how much a deficit students have when they don't have that literacy base and how that can be used to help with STEM and how STEM can be used to help like that whole kind of circle thing. So mm-hmm. I definitely understand the whole uh, you fell into it that <laughs> I mean, I, I coached a, um, a uh, science Olympiad club and I was mm-hmm. an English teacher at a school. I'm like, I, <laughs> you want you want. <laughs> me to coach this this science? Like, I, you know, I'm not a science teacher, um, mm-hmm. but I'm also a charter school and also the whole all hands on deck and you get uh, voluntold <laughs> many things. But uh, when I started looking at it, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, in STEM, we hear a lot about there's a gap, a gap for women, a gap for students of color. Do you guys believe there is a gap? Um, And if so, how do you know it? And what are you trying to do um, in your respective roles to address uh, this gap?
2: Um, I would say, I'll say this. I don't know what Dr. (laughs) D is going to say, but you can see a lot of the gap if you go to a robotics competition. Um, Just honestly, Indiana has one of the largest state representation of robotics events. We take the largest group of students to world's competition in Dallas every spring. And there's not a lot of females and there's not a lot of color. The color is literally from students who come from other countries that come over to Dallas, Texas um, to compete. So I would say a lot of it is just walking in your classroom. Um, I know there's a couple of school districts, I won't call them out by name, but when you look at their numbers from, seventh grade, eighth grade into ninth grade, especially those that have STEM focus in their career centers. The drop from female or person of color representation goes from 57% to um, there's some districts that go to 9% um, for those two respective areas here just in Indianapolis. So it's just seeing it throughout time I think a lot of times you'll get that interest in elementary school because you can attach Legos to it. You can attach different ways of learning to pique their interest. Middle school, you have that excitement of robotics and they can compete and. Feel like they're a kid doing a sports activity and then high school and college there's not that strong representation especially here um unfortunately in indiana i know there's groups like tech point for youth that are working on that but it's just something that needs to be built so you can progressively see those students keep going and stay within it because just seeing those kids and their interests in robotics and competition you're like do you know you could do this for Microsoft, NASA? Mm -hmm. Like, do you know you're doing stuff that people are getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do? And they're like, no. And then you'll go see them again. And they're like, "Uh, can you talk to me about how this could work later on in life? Because this is fun. And you're like, okay, let's let's try to get something set up. So I think just being able to make the progression and just help students stay involved.
1: Ooh. Um, okay. Um, let me get myself <laughs> together here and sip this water because you're about to br- you're bringing it already. So, yes, yes, and yes. So, you know, basic numbers. Uh, and and I know throughout your research and then also boots on the ground, you can see what's happening. So, 82% of the STEM workforce it's white and Asian male. So then the question becomes, who makes up the other percentage, right? And so, you know, it's what's happening from K to the eight, and then the drop off in high school, and significant significant drop off in college, and then the workforce. So that's what everyone is trying to figure out: where's the root cause? What can we do? Um, and, and Ariel hit the name on the, the nail on the head. You you just go into these specifically, not to be on robotics, but that's what I do, and you walk in and K to six and you, it's a great mix of diversity. Kids are excited. You can see the critical thinking, you see the collaboration happening. You can see them running and putting together an arm on a robot and you're like, yes, yes, yes. Oh my goodness, yes. And then you get to high school and it's like, what happened? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What happened? Mm -hmm. And so those are some things that even in my organization that I'm trying to figure out just for the city of Philadelphia with doing my best to work with organizations and partnering with the ecosystem um, with with what, what is happening from middle school to high school. We may have an answer. People have written think pieces and papers and, you know, you know, magazines and and all of these white papers and everything, but it's we're still right here. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it's there. Yes, you can see it. Yes, you can feel it. And I had a meeting um, with um, uh, the director of community engagement at Drexel University last week, and he simply said one thing. Robotics, period, and some things in STEM, they are places of privilege, Mm. So then how do we then say, okay, you don't need $20,000 to start this robotics team. We're going to partner with Drexel University or Temple University or Penn, speaking in Philadelphia. So some of these costs can be, I don't want to say way, but maybe even greatly reduced. So there'll be teams that can obviously participate more. And like our team, you know, here in Philadelphia, be able to go to world, Worlds and win. Mm-hmm. All right, one of our uh, central, central high school, which is a huge magnet school, um, which attracts some of the best and brightest in the city of Philadelphia. So then how do then we get the schools that are in West Philadelphia and North Philadelphia that may not have as much money or as much support or backing? So the question becomes, is the financial piece, is the privilege piece, is it even talking to young people? They're saying, mm, I'll pass because that's not what I want to do in high school. I'm going to run track. Nope, mm, no, I'm good but then we also have to think of what attracts students that look like us, but then what are high schools doing to say, mm, no, not do robotics, you can run. So there's a combination of things that are happening. And like Ariel said, is that middle school to high school that we have to figure out to increase this participation.
0: And I think that's interesting when you talked about having to make a choice because I was um, part of this community group and we were looking at, why students were not participating in this youth leadership program. And one of the things that came up was that most of the students that were approached were already in athletics. And there wasn't flexibility with the athletic schedule to also be involved in this other thing. And so many times you have kids who, especially if they're male, um, they they feel like either they like athletics, which is great, they want to be an athlete, or they may see that as a path to getting a scholarship going to college. And they don't have enough knowledge um, that, oh, I can do this thing and go off to college and potentially get some funding um, with that. So I think that's also super important. I think schools and organizations really have to look at what is being offered, when are things being offered, are there flexibility for students to be able to be in sports but also be granted some time to go do something else. And I don't know what that looks like, but I think those are the type of questions that we have to answer because money comes to play, and sometimes parents will bust their butt to pay for athletic stuff, but they won't do it. For the other fees, and so it's also I think there's a parental conversation that needs to be had as well with parents. Not that parents should have to fund all these things, because I also think partnerships work. But it's also I think there's so many things, and then to your point, uh, Dr. Jones is like, at what point did we stop writing think pieces, <laughs> stop writing papers, stop doing research, um, and really get in um, to the problem? So we've talked a lot about. Um, the access between middle school and high school. But what about young women in particular? Um, My husband works in the the STEM field, technology in particular, and there are very few females that he works with on a day-to-day basis that are actually doing the tech stuff, right? You may have a female secretary somewhere, but actually doing the tech stuff is different. So what do you guys think is a barrier for women in particular, girls in particular, um, getting into STEM and then staying with STEM?
2: So getting into STEM, easy, great. Have a fun time. <laughs> Staying in STEM, very, very difficult. But a lot of times we look at, oh, they're not learning it early enough. They're not, um, they're not getting that repetition. It, it's hard. That's not always the case. Um, So just talk a little bit about our organization. I work for an organization called Any Women Tech. We're a nonprofit dedicated to helping more women get into the tech workforce. So our biggest part of our program is not only do we pay for scholarships, so we pay 50% to 100% of your tuition to help you get through your IT program, but also it's the wraparound support. So a lot of times people don't realize it might not be the interest. It could be, okay, I'm gonna have to go work for this company and I'm literally gonna be the only female or I'm only gonna I'm going to be the only female of color. And a lot of times we talk about stereotypical things in the office of being the office mom. Everybody wants me to take notes. Everyone wants me to plan a birthday instead of working on this new project. That's very prevalent. And it's become a lot more prevalent since COVID. And instead of so many of us fighting back and saying, I'm not doing this, y'all can do it. More women have said, y'all can have it. I I have enough in my 401k. I know my kids are going to be fine. I can consult. I'm gonna completely step out of this. So a lot of times it's not the education piece, it's the wraparound of everything else. So these companies, I, I know DEI now is such a bad word, but a lot of these companies have DEI initiatives where like, well, we wanna have more women, we wanna have more people of color. Okay, well, have y'all talk to Bob about having more black women or more people of color in this organization and how they might not wanna see Uh, make America great again hat from his office because I'm already feeling I'm not welcomed in this space or is it going are you going to talk to your people about courtesy and etiquette of I'm speaking (laughs) do not talk over me I had something to say or even someone in your organization saying well Ariel didn't I don't know if she really knows JavaScript. So I'm just going to code this myself and I'm not going to give this to her. So Mm. it's not always the education piece, which I know a lot of times we focus on. It is more the culture of these organizations. Your CEO can say they want more people of color, more women. That's fine. Does your manager, does your direct manager, does your lead? Because if they don't, that's why you have a revolving door.
0: Mm. That, mm. Was a, that was a lot, Ariel. <laughs> that was. Uh,
1: <laughs> um, and, and, and bottom line is this: I'm, I'm going to talk come to come at this two separate ways. Okay. And we all know what's happening with K to 12 teachers right now. You know, the are bouncing. Um, and then the question becomes: We're so concerned with recruitment that we have stopped focusing on re- retention. Mm. Okay. So part of part of my dissertation was a social emotional learning experience of of Black girls in STEM specifically in high school, right? So I had them talk about their experience from middle school to high school. And initially I had a a focus group and had conversations with Black women in STEM so they can look backwards. So we were looking to say a COFA method. We look backwards to look forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so so we talked about belonging a lot. Right. And so we talked about what makes what makes you feel like you belong in a certain space. And the number one thing was always, I can always come as me. Mm. So if you are the only Black woman in this space, let's say with a lot of white males, and one day you have locks, and the next day you have an afro, Mm. and the next day you have braids, and the next, oh, what's happening with your hair? Mm -hmm. And so, oh, let me touch it. And, And so, you know, the Crown Act just passed, in some states where we're allowed to, as black women, to come to work with how the hair grows on our head or how we do our hair without being discriminated against. And so it's, it's like, OK, so now you want me to then do this coding, but we can't even get past my hairstyle for today. Mm-hmm. So then the question becomes, when I have conversations with my young ladies at school, I simply say, that is your seat. You belong there. Do not even worry about it. People talk a lot about imposter syndrome, but we need to look at the root cause of that. Is it imposter syndrome or is it white supremacy? Mm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Is it misogyny? Yes. Is it patriarchy? What is it actually? And then like Ariel said, then does your company say, Bob, what we're not going to do is this. Mm -hmm. We're going to make sure that Ariel is here. This is her seat. She's good. She can do Java. Please don't do that again. Mm-hmm. Or you'll have a different conversation with me and HR, yeah. right? So that's the conversation. Is it an impact statement, your DEI statement, or are you making an impact? Are you playing diversity, or is it really diversity? Right. Because a lot of times we get in spaces and places and pe- women of color, specifically Black women, and we're, we're oh, we, oh, girl, hey, homegirl. And then we're pet, and then we're threat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so a lot of women are saying to heck with this. I'm out of here. And so companies are trying to figure this thing out because in most of their statements are the reason why a lot of them receive funding is because they said they would be diverse. Mm. But saying it and doing it, that's two separate things. So once companies realize that I have to stop playing diversity, which was so coined so well by Dr. Monica Cox, who uh-huh. happens, to be, happens to be my cousin, shout out, is that, no, no, no. show Show me your numbers show me what you're doing show me your recruitment show me your retention and then we can absolutely have this conversation about what true DEI is
0: well if you don't follow Dr. Monica Cox on Twitter you should because <laughs> and then just look up the hashtag stop playing diversity because she talks I mean straight no chaser <laughs> tells you how it is and you may not like it but it's mm-hmm. in my mind the truth uh, what is interesting what you said about when people now funding is tied to it. And it's a shame because if it takes your funding might be cut off because you didn't produce the numbers for you to take an action, that right there says that you're playing diversity, that you really wasn't about it. And mm-hmm. to your point about recruitment and retention, people don't realize if I wanna diverse whatever, school, job, or whatever, that means my job is actually going to change. And that's the part that people miss. If I'm going to bring in what I don't have, this is going to change. So we're making like my husband would tell me because he's worked at different places and all it's all been in tech. And he said, like, some of the language that men use is like very um, sexual, very just inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And if they were at our employment where like half the workforce were women, they probably wouldn't do it because something would happen. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like you're walking into it. husband described it like this it's like we're asking women to work in the male locker room Mm. you're just hearing everything seeing everything and you're just supposed to accept it Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot of women are like you know what (laughs) i people i would say whatever you want to call what happened after the death the murder of george floyd people Mm -hmm. had an awakening it was many types of awakening Mm -hmm. and then one thing that i saw as an awakening is a lot of women's like i don't have to take this anymore like Mm -hmm. this a lot of things. And so women are leaving, which you may, and because DEI work is not just race DEI work. Mm -hmm. DEI work includes all types of things, gender, sexuality, age. I mean, that's a whole other conversation Mm -hmm. about ageism in in places. Mm -hmm. Um, So when people are saying they're really doing their work, I'm like, you're not looking at all your metrics. You're not looking at the age of your employees, the gender, the sexuality, the mm-hmm. race, the ethnic, the nationality. There's so many buckets that we need to be looking at. If we're not mm-hmm. looking at that, you're just playing games, and you're just trying to do the bare minimum to mm-hmm. to keep um, keep, you know, your funding or keep appearances, um, because it what it really looks like if we're keeping um, appearances. But I really appreciate what you both shared about uh, about women. Can you guys talk to me a little bit more about some success you guys have had in this work um, that may be helpful for other people who are listening and they're like, you know what? I know it's a problem. I need to do something about it. And they may want to hear um, some ideas about how they can get serious about it.
2: Um, yeah, so I've worked for Indie Women in Tech about five years now, three years directly uh, being over community engagement for the organization. And then actually six because three years at uh, Ivy Tech Community College and running their program directly with the school. So we have helped over 240 ladies graduate with either are no debt at all. So that's earning either an associate's degree or certifications or a certificate to go into tech. Our median income right now for the ladies that we've had graduated is $62,000, which is well over the Indiana median. And also just being able to change ladies' lives. They're going to school. We help them get paid internships, so a lot of ladies, you know, they're making their money and they're like, hold on. So I don't have to work a second job this summer to pay for my kids back to school stuff. Wow. No, your internship got it. Or most of my job towards the end of the program is um, I know you got a job six months before you graduate but i still need you to graduate so congratulations on your money but let's not get too excited i still need you to show up to class because we didn't pay this tuition for nothing mm-hmm. so it's really just being able to help ladies also to um on a more personal level just seeing these ladies really Come into themselves either through confidence, um, being able to do more for their kids, being able to do more for their families. We've seen everything from ladies being able to kind of leave bad situations to be out on their own because they're now more financially stable or financially fit. Um, Women go from maybe being on assistance to now being able to own a home. So just being able to work with them for just a year or two and then see that transition, not only in themselves, but their family, their work, everything that they're doing, it's it's really an honor to just help them get to the next part of their journey and be successful.
1: Mm. I love that. I love that. And so for me, I'm in the K to 12 space. So when I I started working um, in STEM, uh, you know, uh, assisting specifically young ladies to get into STEM, they were like seventh graders. So, of course, you know, the North Star is we're trying to get you a scholarship. And so, you know, six years. So you have six years, and yes, you have a scholarship. And then it's four years or, you know, where you're going to school and graduate. So my first graduates in some of the programs. That I was able to get them into around the city of Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia. They just graduated a couple of years ago. Oh. So um, I actually just went to some graduations. One of my students graduated from a school in California. And she told me in the seventh grade, she says, Hey, if I finish this thing, I need you to come to my graduation. No problem. Of <laughs> course, because it's seventh, you're in the seventh grade. So fast forward 10 years later, so you're coming to California, oh, yeah, sure, I'm on, my, I'm on my way. But, you know, that's a good thing. Everyone's like, what's that, California? said, she asked me in the seventh grade. So to see those things come to fruition after, you know, when you're in the K-12 to space, you're planting seeds, so you don't often get to see the trees. So now it's like year after year, I'm saying, well, I graduated with biology. I'm on my way to nursing, or I'm on my way to the tech space in, in Silicon Valley. That's now is the, that opportunity. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So so for me, the success with the North Star was like, what what is it that you dream to be?
2: Right.
1: You know, are you going to be that? And knowing that you you are able to change your mind. So to actually to see some of these young ladies to be in the, the STEM space and those dreams that they had now, that's kind of awesome for me. So that's what I, I love to see right now.
0: And when you're thinking about families who may have limited resources, but they're listening to this and they're like, I want my kids to be more involved in STEM. What advice do you have for families of how can they Find these opportunities or where things they can do at home to kind of build that curiosity. Now, they may not want what Ariel was saying, taking apart everything. (laughs) Like, what what can they do at home? Because it may, I mean, my husband, that's his story, taking apart stuff. Uh, So that may be part of it. But what can parents do? Because I know that's a lot of, especially if you're a parent that you are not in the STEM field and you don't feel confident yourself in that. How can you support your children to at least? get them exposed to it to see if that's their interest area?
2: I would say first thing is to ask your school. I know educators already do so much, but there's a lot of schools, especially here in Indiana that now host STEM nights is part of their what they're required to do as giving back to the community or opening themselves up to the community. So I would definitely suggest looking there first. Um, also, second thing is, Uh, Computer science is now required in the state of Indiana. So every year, K through 12, you have to have some kind of computer science learning. So just engaging with your educator, with your teacher and saying, hey, I know computer science week is December 5th to December 9th what do y'all have planned? Is there anything that maybe you could send me home with or any resources that I could have? And then also I would say Google local organizations because there's so many STEM organizations, whether it's designated for everybody, more for girls of color, more for women of color, more for boys. There's so many groups that are really trying to introduce this um, this workforce and pipeline to students to pique their interest. So I would definitely suggest see what community organizations you have, whether that's just hanging out on um, Facebook and just putting in STEM for kids and seeing what pops up that's going to be local. Um, There's a lot of summer camps, especially right now that are going on. I know of a couple that actually didn't have low enrollment, that it made it free just to get kids in. So definitely just kind of asking those questions, um, seeing what's available and poking around is a good way to start.
1: Mm, Yep, absolutely. Agree, agree, agree. Um, And the very first thing, depending on the age of your your child or your children, you want to just ask them, like, what are some of the things that you like to do? And if it's the arts, could find a STEM, uh, an arts uh, program that incorporates STEM, Mm -hmm. right? Arts integration, STEM integration. Um, If it's, you know, I enjoy dance, there are some that may have, you know, STEM dance. So I want to, I want to speak to all parents because some parents may be in rural spaces that are not in larger cities Mm -hmm. like, you know, Indianapolis or Philadelphia. So they may not have access to much. One thing that COVID has taught us is we can do, let our fingers do the walking there are tons and tons and tons of free programs online. If you say, I don't want my child to do anything online. I want it to be in person. Give, the, give them a little taste of it. Okay, so this is what you'll see. This is this is a program that you can get your child enrolled into or just do some things on YouTube. So oh, I like that. Okay, I like stuff with robots. Okay, great. Then maybe you'll go to the local library and they'll have some things that you can do for free for robotics. You know, I, I do suggest taking things apart, you know, but you need to <laughs> monitor that. I think that's how children learn. You know, they start thinking like, okay, this worked, this did not work. Yeah. Um. But, you know, see what your child has a knack for. Um. And, and I, I liken a lot of things to sports because sometimes sports can be easy because you say run up and down the street go grab a basketball or football. It can be cost effective as well. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, see what your child has an, as an aptitude for. And it may be something in engineering. Oh, They like to play games. Maybe it's gaming. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I see they like how things are put together. Maybe it's 3D printing. And they're typically, your library is a good resource for free things. Yes, your school as well. I, I definitely emphasize that. But there may be so many free opportunities for your child to get into before you're spending tens or hundreds or even thousands of dollars in something that your child is really not that interested in. And understand as parents, just like any child, they play the flute in the seventh grade. And they said, now I want to play the piano. What? I want to so it is going to happen. It's about exploring things as a young person and encourage the exploration. I know, you know, I don't have any children. I have several nieces and nephews and several hundred students that, you know, I work with at school. However, it is, you can be extremely impatient because they are fickle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you and you want to say, no, you're you're you are going
0: to robotics.
1: Yes. But just see what it is that they want to do. And hopefully with the exploration, they'll find that one thing that they truly love. Yeah.
0: And mm-hmm. I also say, like, if you do see a program and it's without, not within your budget and your kid says they're interested, just reach it out to the organization and ask, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. many organizations that I'm aware of, if someone asks, they make it work because a lot of them have funders or people that donate money for the purpose of covering tuition for people. But mm-hmm. um, as an elder once told me, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So like, right. sometimes we have to like open our mouths and say, like, I want to do this for or my kids and I have identical twins. There was a point in time where, I mean, I wasn't broke, but we were paying back medical bills <laughs> because mm-hmm. my boys were in the hospital. So there was a point in time where I asked an organization, like, I want my kids to try this. Can I get a discount? And they're like, oh yeah, we can work something out. Uh, or maybe it's, they have a payment plan, but please talk to schools, talk to libraries because libraries have tons of like nights, Lego nights. Yarn crafting night. There's all types of things. And I'm taking my kids to a lot of things, which is a quick way to figure out if your kids really in into it. Uh um, to be like, Oh, so you did not like that, you didn't participate in nothing. You just kinda through of a paper. So okay, like, this may not be for you right now. And before I make a big financial cause I am kinda of like, look, you committed to this or so you can't finish it this year. <laughs> You may not like it. I may not like it, but we don't, you don't, you've been paid up. Right, <laughs> right. be there. so <laughs> It's hard, but look, look, mama can't get a refund. So you're just going to have to tough it out. But That's right. I, I think just giving kids exposure to so many things and then uh, for organizations, for organizations that are listening to say, OK, I think I want to do more than just recruit. I want to retain. Like what advice? And uh, Dr. Jones, you'll probably speak to us more from the K-12 space. Like what can schools do? And then Ariel, tell us uh, about what maybe uh, other organizations can do um, to like actually like um, like uh, maybe give them two or three steps that they could actually like work on now that they could do. Um,
2: first thing is. You usually know there's a couple of employees that you have problems with that have been getting people out the door look at those employees Mm -hmm. look at their Mm -hmm. folder actually put some action behind it because that is probably the wall that is killing your retention so i would definitely say that's the first thing if you want to be about dei you want to be about diversity you're gonna have to do the work that's usually part of your work second of all is what incentives and what culture are you offering your employees just in general we all like we've all been saying we just got through COVID. so telling me i can't do this at home why not because for a lot of us we did it at home because we didn't have to worry about certain people asking questions like you said i don't have to worry about my hair i can turn my screen off Y'all going to get this Afro today and you're going to be fine with it because I'm at home, but I'm still getting my work done. So what are you actually offering? Because so many companies now, especially in the tech space, are threatening people and saying, you have to come back. Why? Give me a why. Because a lot of people do want to work. They love their tech salary, but just telling me I'm not going to get my bonus or my snacks are going to get taken away is not a reason for me to go back to the office. So I would really encourage companies to just do the work in those areas. Look at your employees and then also look at what you are offering that will make people want to come here, be excited about coming here, be excited about doing more for your organization and how can you implement that to retain people?
1: Mm -hmm um question you want us to talk about some some tangible next steps for recruitment retention or either one
0: i would really like to hear for like retention but also recruitment in the k-12 space because as you probably know there are a lot of science teachers and i know stem is more than just science but there's a lot of science and math teachers um when you look at the biggest gap is typically science math and special education mm-hmm. um so a, how do we get those people in the door to actually mm-hmm. teach this content? And then B, how do we retain like people in this space to engage with students with this work? Because to your point earlier, a lot of times you have to have sponsors for these clubs. Um, that's how I ended up coaching. So they needed a sponsor. They needed somebody who, oh, she comes to work every single day. Oh, the kids like her. Oh, she's probably gonna do it because she was and Probably not gonna push back. And that was early <laughs> in my career. Because early in my career, I didn't really realize you could be like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm just like, oh, okay, now I'm <laughs> past that. But, <laughs> but like, how do you get people in the school space to stay, especially in those careers, especially knowing that some of the people have left to still do STEM, but they are now doing it now from the education perspective because honestly, the salary in some cases is double. Um, so. Um, th- I gave you a loaded question there.
1: You did. You did. You did. I, <laughs> I um I, I, and I think that that's kind of in general w- with with K to twelve teaching right now. Well, it has been for a yeah. while, but once again, COVID, you know, it, you know, enhanced a lot of our sight to see. uh, oh, I can actually be over here instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think that th- that's just a huge question right now for recruitment and retention for K-12. There's, there's multiple things. It's, it's, it's the money, it's the time, you know, it's the environment. It's, it's, you know, it may be, you know, not enough parent involvement. There's so many different things. Uh, so my, my conversation with, I, you know, I also do consulting with um, to helping with, you know, you know, improve school culture and it, it's simple. listen, so let's say you are blessed enough to have the great, a great staff. You have a great STEM team. So now the question becomes listening. What are some of your needs? What are some of your wants? What's working? What's not working? So many people in K to 12 are afraid of authentic feedback. And then receiving the authentic feedback and then step one, step two, step three, instead of just saying, hey, I heard you. And let's continue to do the same things that we're doing. One thing that I tell anyone, I know, remember being an administrator in school and in K-12 schools. And one thing that I learned from my mentor was that you never stop recruiting.
2: Mm.
1: You never stop recruiting everywhere I go. It's, hey, I, you know, I work for the school. I'm an administrator. Here's what we're about. You know, we don't have any open positions right now, but I'd like to talk to you. So you're in constant recruitment mode. Recruitment piece. Number one, we know Nikita 12 space or people in general that like hires like. So if you know your entire network team, your type or entire entire, entire um, central office, let's be real. It's all white women. That's what they're going to hire. Mm-hmm. So then though, that central office, that managing body needs to say, OK, what's happening here? You know what? What's not what's one thing not like the other? What's one thing that's like the other? How can then we make some changes if we're serious? So that's you have to start there. Are you really serious about this diversity thing? Are you re- really serious about um, recruitment and retention? And if you are, you got to start making changes from the top to the bottom. Um, so as far as the, the recruitment and the retention, it's the same. There's some people that are going to leave because they need to leave or want to leave. It's just not the environment for them, um, especially our younger, younger teachers, younger educators. That is there, they're in their first five years. So many of them are leaving the profession because they didn't. It's not what they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. So the like to answer the full circle questions is that it's everything and anything. But if um po- folks that are recruiting and HR or whoever's re doing working with retention, they have to listen to the very people that are in those seats to see what it is that they need and see if they can, you know, provide those needs. Sometimes they just need a shoulder to talk to. They need another person that's in the same position. I am the only Hispanic male here in the tech department, in this entire charter network of 25 schools, then what do you do? Okay, so tell me what you need. I need to talk to someone that's in the same position. I need to reach out to someone for this. Send me to this training. Okay, great. Let's figure out how we can make this work. And that is the only way this thing, we just cannot keep going day to day to day to day thinking that things are working. We have to have a conversation with each other, truly listen, and then make the changes that are necessary to retain our staff.
0: I really appreciate what you both said about like listening and taking action, because I have found the K-12 space. There are people that should have been uninvited a while ago that are allowed to stay. And they are the very people that cause people to leave because they're like, I'm not putting up with this person and their Mm -hmm. behavior anymore. Mm -hmm. But somebody doesn't want to do the work of saying, hey, we had a conversation with you. These are the action steps. Here's some coaching for you. Here's some things you need to change. Oh, you are still doing this. So you did X. We said this will be the consequence. Here's your disciplinary write-up. Like we don't do those things. Instead, we asked the person who's being impacted to be like, you know, just give them a little bit of grace. Oh, uh, you know, they didn't really mean it when they said they wanted to grab your hair and run their fingers through it. Oh, uh, you know, are you sure they actually grabbed your hair? I mean, <laughs> oh, my I, I don't, I don't think that was an accident. So, so some of those things that people have to deal with, and it's just like, you know what, I don't, I don't have to, and especially in the school setting, everybody got vacancies, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, in Indianapolis, there are 11 school districts in Indianapolis, plus our independent schools, our parochial schools, our multiple charter networks. So like, fine, the teaching job in Indy is not that hard. Mm-hmm. And in other places, I'm assuming similar things. So it's like, I don't have to be here. So it's almost like jobs have to get in the mindset of like, what can we do to make you want to stay here? Because mm-hmm. I think back in, I don't want to say back in the day, but maybe just in the past, um, <laughs> we were in a situation where like people felt like, as the job, you need us. You need mm-hmm. me. You need mm-hmm. this paycheck. Mm-hmm. And now people, especially younger people, I mean, they'll be like, I, got, I have some younger mentees. Oh, 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 Mrs. Barnes! You know what? I'm I'm moving to uh, to California. I'm taking a job out there. I'm like, do you even have a teaching? Oh, I'm just going to the little transit and whatever. I'm just gonna go over there. Now, me, almost forty. I'm like, I, I can't be packing up. I'm going to another state. But some of <laughs> these younger people, like to them, not only is the United States their playground, the world is their playground. And so, there, you're not only just competing with the schools or the organization in your city. People are just like, and then like, oh, I can be an employee in Oregon, but live right here in Indiana because mm-hmm. I can just. Re- so to Ariel's point, like, why do I have the to come to office when this company in Oregon says I can stay at home in Indiana mm-hmm. and I'm going to get paid the same amount? Like, why? Um, so I really appreciate both of you guys participating in this conversation. Um, and I think you both gave people tangible things they can actually do. And I and I think now to our viewers, to our listeners, the ball is really in your court, court about what you're going to do and the STEM because there's multiple actions that can be taken, but we actually have to take the time to, to do it. So Ariel and Dr. Jones, do you guys have one closing thought for our listeners before we wrap this up that you want um, them to remember?
2: I'm still Dr dia's thought process <laughs> just try it just try it there's so many websites like we said there's so many resources the indianapolis public library is a great resource even if you don't live in the county you can always just log in to use their resources There's schools there's ways just Put some type of activity into your kid's hand. See if they enjoy it. If they don't, great, move on to the same thing. If they do, please encourage them to remain on that pathway. And if you are in STEM and watching this, go talk to students in schools. It could be a Mm -hmm. high school. It could be a middle school. It could be an elementary school. A lot of times 100 Black Men has a saying, what they see is what they'll be. If they can see you, get an idea of what you really do, also get an idea of what your day-to-day is, it really can ignite that spark in a child where they're gonna come back and say, I met Dr. Dia in seventh grade and I want her to come to my college graduation because she inspired me to stay in STEM. So just make those efforts if you can.
1: Awesome. And and three quick things, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit there, but I'll let you have that one. Number one, dream big. Number two, my grandmother used to always say, you learn by doing, so do. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing specifically for parents, keep fighting for your children's dreams. Never give up.
0: Well, on that thought, we're gonna, on that thought, we're gonna wrap it up. Um, Dr. Jones, uh, Ariel, thank you so much for participating in this Mm -hmm. conversation and please follow them and their work they're doing a lot of great things in their respective cities um, to help um, children human beings just help people um, in the stem space and they just do great work period so make sure you follow them online connect with them they're easy and Google them. <laughs> They're easy to find. And um, if any other programs they talked about are of interest to you, um, do something, reach out um, to them. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to help you get connected um, to what you need. Um, so thanks so much. And I'll uh, be with the rest of you guys on the next episode.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Bye.